When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, Lisa talked to a lot of research and, of course, plenty of talk over the weekend about the outcome of the political findings, but also the spotlight on some other research they carried out. I want to speak to Bill White from Lisa Talk. Bill, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Bill, it's a, it's a sad reality, but considering what we've just been hearing from Rodney Edwards, uh, fewer than half of women in Northern Ireland feel safe on our streets. That's a, that's a very sad reflection on society, isn't it? Well, yes, it is, Frank. I mean, the overday question was, do you feel safe? It's a simple question. Do you feel safe on the streets of Northern Ireland? Um, it was a 3,100 uh, Northern Ireland representative sample, males, females, Catholics, Protestants, all over Northern Ireland, as I've said before. So it's a little micro Northern Ireland, if you like. So it's pretty representative. And overall, 62% said they feel safe. 29% felt they weren't. But that's the overall results. And your point's a good one. When we analyze that by uh, male and female, that's when the, really the difference comes in. 75% of males feel safe on the streets of Northern Ireland. Only 18% think they don't feel safe, which is still like nearly one in five, but uh, but the dramatic uh, uh, contrast comes when we look at female respondents only, and only 49%, as you've just said, less than half of females in Northern Ireland feel safe on the streets of Northern Ireland. 40% say they don't feel safe, and then 11% uh, say they don't know, not sure, which even is not a very good uh, um, you know, answer either. It's not good to feel don't know, not sure about that. You want to be sure and you want to feel safe on the streets of Northern Ireland, I would have thought. So there's a big difference between what males and females uh, think about safety on the streets of Northern Ireland, Frank. Did you carry out this research before or after the horrific murder of Ashley Murphy? It was after, Frank. It was just on the last, the previous weekend uh, to this weekend. So that that was the previous week. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe the, uh, the the terrible murder of Ashling um, in the in in the in the Republic of Ireland. So yes, it was done after that. So whether that has had an impact or not, it's you know obviously current news events always have an effect on what people think at the time. Um, but um, I, I still don't think I still think we would have got roughly these results. Frank, to be honest, I don't think it had that dramatic effect on the results. You know, but. So it's still, there's a huge difference between what males and females think about, think about this issue. And it's, you know, it's interesting to note that. It's interesting to note as well, we obviously do all the other analyses, you know, by area, uh, by age group, etc. It's interesting that um, Belfast is the area where, uh, you know, people feel less safe 
Um, so if you like, it's the females within Belfast who feel the most less safe, um, if I could put it that way. I'm not too sure I'm putting it the right way, but uh, I'm sure people know what I mean. If you look at them, the east of Northern Ireland, outside Belfast, North Down, etc., that's when the figures go. Uh, you know, more and more people feel safer in those sort of areas um, when compared to Belfast. And then again, Frank, that's pretty typical of all over the UK and elsewhere. I mean, people, it has to be said, people in urban areas are more concerned about safety on the streets because there's just more people in um, a closed area in a big urban area like London or Manchester or Belfast or Dublin, you know, so... But it's worth noting. It's worth noting. You know, did this did you between urban and rural in this area? Of course. This issue. Did Sorry. you did you get any sense of what women in particular are most fearful of? Is it a fear of literally being attacked and being raped or being strangled, or is it a fear of just encountering someone who will make you feel uncomfortable, someone who's going to say something to you, or stare at you, or just? intrude in 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 some uh, less serious but every bit as every bit as important to be rejected way well no no we didn't frank actually we didn't get into that detail we do pick up all the comments from the you know there's a voluntary comments box but that's voluntary so a lot of people you know fill in the poll and they don't complete the poll and they don't leave any comments but um uh, we picked up that they felt there was, yes, maybe your latter point that there was a, um, they felt, you know, unsafe in certain areas of Belfast, uh, they felt safe in certain areas of towns, etc. again, back to this urban rural split. But we didn't get it, there was no real, no, we didn't ask, we didn't research that specifically why they didn't feel safe. Frank, I suppose that's really open to debate and people's experience and asking, dare I say, asking females why they, why we feel that females feel, uh, you know, less safe on the streets of Northern Ireland than males do, and uh, particularly in urban areas. But it is certainly quite a surprising, you know, I find it quite a surprising result that less than half of females feel safe on the streets of Northern Ireland. I mean, that's what the poll is showing. It is very worrying, very worrying. Uh, Bill, uh, thank you very much indeed. Alison Morris has been writing about this in the Belfast Telegraph. Uh, Alison, you will understand why women are fearful at this minute in time. I, yeah, I think after we have incidents like the, the Sarah Everard murder and then the um, Ashley Murphy murder, when you have incidents like that, people immediately, it brings back, I suppose, those fears that, that you know women and girls have from a very young age, that they're going to be attacked by a stranger in the street. And, and we do know that those types of attacks are very rare. And, and we do also know that, you know, despite our troubled past, Northern Ireland's actually quite a safe place to live in terms of, you know, crime, street crime, in terms of the like of muggings and, and robberies and those sort of things were quite low compared to what you'd see in other sort of urban cities and, and places, you know, across maybe places like Dublin or Limerick or other parts of, of the UK. But that kind of attack, I think, is, is something that people fear most. And that's why, you know, women take so many precautions when they're going anywhere and having to return from the night out and how things, you know, you have to plan ahead. And you could see the difference in um in the Lucid Talk poll when it came to the safety of women and the safety of men. You know, men overwhelmingly, over seventy five percent felt that they were safe um on the streets of, of Northern Ireland, whereas women it was the other way around. You know, they felt that they were unsafe. Um and that shows where that's coming from. But then th- those figures again, if you drill down they they asked was there a major problem with domestic violence in, in Northern Ireland and that changed quite considerably. You can see that people are not only afraid in the street, but they do feel that there's a major problem with violence in the home. As well, both of those those figures, I thought, when I looked at them, they were quite stark and quite sobering. 
when a woman is on the streets and feeling fearful, understandably on the back of what happened to Ashleen Murphy, anyone who, who is out jogging or walking or just going to or from work would be concerned about that form of attack. Thankfully, thankfully those attacks are few and far between, but one one like that is obviously one too, too many. I, I, I just wonder, are women afraid of a lot of other things? Are they afraid because there will be unwelcome intrusion? There will be uh, some form of comment made there will be staring there will be people who just are being a pest is that is that a constant fear for women i I think it is i mean we do know that women are more likely to be murdered by someone they know than someone they don't but you know i mean i I have a very very large you know group of of female friends and every one of them has has a story of of being harassed whether that be in the workplace or whether that be in just you know trying to do the shop when they're coming home from a, a night out or you know, getting into a taxi with driving made you feel uncomfortable or there's times that, you know, there's unwanted advances and for, for women, you know, you'll see that they try and sort of ward those off with a smile on their face as pleasantly as possible because they know that outright rejection to someone like that might turn nasty and turn into an attack. And, um, you know, during the last week, I think there was a lot of talk about the precautions women take. So you might walk a much longer route because it's better lit. Um, you know, phoning friends and saying, right, I'm about to get into a taxi, here's the registration, you know, phone me when I get home, um, you know, carrying keys. Uh, you know, I remember often when I was, you know, younger, carrying, having my hand inside my bag on a, a can of hairspray, thinking if someone jumps out of me, I'll spray this in their eyes and run, and that'll give me time to, to get away, and those sort of things. And I mean, in the course of my job, I have been, you know, sexually harassed when I've been out and about doing my job, and, you know, male journalists also can get abuse, especially when back when we were covering those, you know, nasty sort of parading disputes and the sort of um, trouble that existed around the summer. Um, outside courts, when I do a lot of court reporting, you'd have got a lot of abuse. But the abuse I got was always different in nature. It would always been sexual. Um, you know, my male colleagues might have had some abuse shouted at them, but anything that happened to me, it was always using really, you know, vague sexual slurs or shouting sexual comments at you. And I think that that's where the difference is. You know, we know that men are at risk from violence as well. But I do think that the the thing is that men are at risk of violence from other men, whereas women are at risk of violence from men. It's the the, the perpetrators. Um, And I keep on sort of referring back to the Gillen report, where he looked at, you know, how the judicial system from bottom up deals with, you know, sexual um, reports of sexual crime and harassment. And one of the things that was very important, and I don't think that we've made enough strides, and COVID obviously has had something to do with that is, you know, education in schools and teaching young men and young women what normal, healthy relationships look like and healthy interaction and, and all of that, you know, and I think that that's very important to, to change. And, it, you know, it can change. I think that, you know, younger men are more aware of that maybe than people, you know, in the middle age who still think it appropriate to sometimes to make, you know, inappropriate comments or think that inappropriate comments are in some way funny or hilarious when they're, when they're no such thing, you know, we have workplace um, protections now for people so they can't be harassed in the workplace but interestingly you know we've no none no such like protections for for girls in schools you know and we hear I hear all the time about you know teenage girls being harassed by boys in school and yet there's no such protections for them and I think that all of that needs looked at but I mean it, there there is a real a real issue we live that you know in a society that was emerging from conflict and it's very patriarchal um, and I know that people called it non-patriarchy at one stage but that's exactly what it was um, and sometimes those sort of very old views and old views towards 
women and girls, you know, still exist and pop their heads up. Thankfully, they're getting less and, you know, they're getting fewer as, as we go along. And hopefully there will become a time, you know, when we manage to, you know, make a, a generation of, of young people who are forward thinking and treat each other equally and treat each other with respect. Can this message be linked in any way to the advice given to people not to crack jokes and you you touched on it there but how far back do we go in relation to what is acceptable humor and what is unacceptable humor there's a great debate at present whether or not Doug Beatty should have retweeted a joke that made reference to him and uh, his wife and a reference to Edwin Poots and his wife. Someone else, of course, had written the joke. Someone else had relayed the joke. But the joke had a detrimental effect on Mrs. Poots because it linked her to whether or not she would know what the inside of a brothel looked like. That sounds very, very insulting. Some people would say it was humorous. Obviously, Mrs. Poots would be offended by it. Should Doug Beatty have known better? Should everyone know better not to retweet the like of that? You know, Frank, and you could sort of of the same generation. Can you you think back to when we, you know, the seventies, eighties, and even in the nineties, and some of those comedy programs that would have been on on a Friday and Saturday night that were considered sort of family entertainment. And if you were to watch reruns of them now, you'd be absolutely horrified at some of the the jokes and the fact. You know, think of that sort of Benny Hill type humour. You know, Jim Davidson type humour. That sort of real end of the pier sort of crude, lewd, and women were always the butt of those jokes. Um, and it's okay saying, you know, that different generations view that humour differently. I mean, the reason why those things don't exist on television anymore and those people are no longer household names is because that humour was inappropriate. You know, it had all sorts of um, misogynistic connotations in some cases. You know, that some of those jokes, you know, they were aimed at people of ethnic minorities, were racist, you wouldn't get away with any of that today. Um, and I do think, you know, there are sometimes you hear, you know, very, very old people saying things and, you know, you cringe at how inappropriate they are, but say, well, you know, I'm going to assume that, you know, they just have lived such closeted lives that they are unaware that what they've said is incredibly offensive. But, I mean, the leader of a political party should have known that that wasn't funny. I mean, to, to have a joke at the expense of your colleagues or even your political rivals is one thing, but to be sort of dragging their, their spouses and their female relatives into it is another, especially after the couple of weeks that we've had. I know that he deleted it very quickly um, and apologised, but it, it made me wonder, you know, the fact that at no point before he tweeted that did he go, is this appropriate or inappropriate? Um, I went ahead with it, shows, a, shows I think, a, a lapse of judgment completely. He has, of course, deleted it. He later apologised as well. And Simon Hoare, the MP, who's the chair of the House of Commons Northern Ireland Affairs Committee, apparently retweeted uh, Mr. Beatty's uh, post that emerged I didn't uh, find last that night. I mean, yeah. He deleted it as well. Yeah, and these people are in positions of, you know, authority and importance, and um, they they should know better. Like they, they generally should know better. I mean, we talk about educating young people in schools to know what's appropriate and what's healthy. Do we need to send, you know, a load of middle-aged men back to school to teach them what's appropriate and healthy as well? Um, you know, and when you're leading a party, especially what, what Doug Beatty has been having to do with those unionists and to try and turn it into, you know, a more progressive, forward-thinking unionist party and, and go down, and especially that, you know, attracting young women like Julianne Core and people like that into the ranks of it um, to try and change that sort of male pale scale image. You have to be then aware of the fact that your words have have consequences to them. You know, being the leader of a political party 
is not an easy feat. It's something that comes with great responsibility and with great responsibility there should be, you know, if I was doing media training, <laughs> I would have said, do you need to read that and think of the cold light of day? Is that actually funny or is that offensive? Um, and I don't think that anybody, when they looked at that, you know, and impartially would have looked at that and thought, well, that's not offensive. I know that some men would find offended online since just humour and you've lost your sense of humour. I certainly haven't lost my sense of humour. There's you no, know, there's plenty of things they find hilarious, but you know, coming from one of the um, at the, the sort of female relative or the spouse or the wife of, of a political opponent, I don't think it was very funny. And I know, I'm sure that Mrs. Pitts didn't think it to be very funny either. I'm um, the other way around, and Edwin Pitts had tweeted that joke about Doug Biddy's wife, but he thought it was funny then. Yeah, Mrs. Poots, uh, the wife of the Agriculture Minister, apparently genuinely upset by the joke. Do, do, do you think more will be made of this on the countdown to the election, or will a line be drawn under it? And, and I was also writing in the Telegraph today in my other column about you know the lucid poll talk and, and where the, the politicians were. It's interesting that when politicians are doing well, and they do it well in the polls and things are going well for them, that there's a tendency to sit back and relax too much and then often self-sabotage and sabotage their own election campaign. Um, and that's what, you know, people like Doug, Doug Biddy need to be careful of, you know, that if he is doing well and he's shown that he was one of the most popular leaders, that he doesn't then carry out an act of self-sabotage, thinking that everything's all cosy and rosy. But it's more than that, you know, it's more than... Um, you know, whether or not it's going to damage you politically, it's to do with your, your attitude, you know. And I know that Chuck Biddy was in the army and is that the sort of humour that people thought was, you know, hilarious in those very male dominated circles because, you know, in a modern world where he has colleagues who, who are equal to him in every respect of the way, you know, female colleagues, that's not funny, you know, he's, he's not back in the barracks now, you know, these things he needs to, to consider what he's saying when he's, he's making jokes like that. Um, it'll be interesting because we know by the polls, you know, that the DEP still aren't polling very well. They have a, well, a, an awful body of work to do to try and get some sort of bounce back before May. And should Fianna are doing well? And it's interesting because all they really seem to need to do now is, is do nothing, basically. But, um, as we know, you know, scandals can come along, you know, politicians can say things that backfire on them as, as Doug has over the weekend. Um, and things can go wrong between now and then, which is why the build-up to elections is always so interesting for, for people like people like ourselves, Frank. I have to agree with you on that. But <laughs> as you say there, but for the grace of God, go any of us. Because if we look back over the last uh, 50 years of our, our lives, I can look back over 50. I'm not sure if you can or not, Alison. But the bottom line is, <laughs> you know, I'm sure we all have we, 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 we all have things that could come back to embarrass us. Um, but I, I, I'm very, very grateful social media did not exist when I was growing up, Frank, is all I can say. Because correct. I'm, 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 I'm not sure they would have allowed me to be to be um, a journalist if, if they had a, had seen videos of my own in my teenage years. I feel sorry for young people now that every aspect of their life is documented. Um, I, I, I agree entirely. I agree entirely with you, and I wouldn't like to be judged on things that I got up to years and years and years ago. But the point is, I don't want to know, Frank. I don't want to know. <laughs> the point is, and this is important. This is 2022. We've got to know where we are today, and that's the crucial yeah. thing. And that's we we shouldn't get tripped up today. And, you know, hopefully you won't, hopefully I won't, and Doug Beatty <laughs> probably wishes he had just stopped tweeting on Saturday night or whenever. Well, well, I mean, it would have, it would have, before COVID, would have done periods of, of, um, of video training, and I always say, you know, if you're sitting down and you're relaxed and you're in the house and you have a drink in your hand, put your phone away.
It's good advice. It is good advice. It is. (laughs) Alison, always good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Uh, Alison Morris from the Belfast Telegraph. The U105 phone in with... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press-on falsies.